888-344-0303. Call now, because this is The Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here, and joining us online now is Adam Gillette. He is the president of Accuracy in Media. Good morning, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yes, let's and let's start out. We've got a number of issues to cover here, uh, but first, start out telling us a little bit more about the organization that you're president of, Accuracy in Media. Sure, Accuracy in Media was founded way back in 1969 to combat media bias. What we do is use a combination of hidden camera investigative journalism and what I call cultural activism to hold bad public policy actors accountable. You know, we spent decades helping Americans understand how biased and out of touch most of the mainstream media was. And now that they've abdicated their responsibility as actual investigative journalists, we think it's incumbent upon us to pick up that role for them. And does your organization come from a political bent? Are you coming from the conservative side? Sure. So, you know, we're a freedom-oriented organization, is what I like to say. Ideologically, our staff is a little bit all over the place. We've got one person who's kind of center-left. I'm more classical liberal or libertarian. We've got some conservatives on our team. So we're definitely a freedom-oriented organization. I love how most of the media tries to call us, you know, conservative, conservative, hard-right conservative. You're not a right-wing fascist? What's that? You're not. I was going to say that they probably they call you a conservative right wing fascist. Exactly, and it's funny. I don't think you have to be conservative to oppose anti semitism. I don't think you have to be conservative to be upset with administrators who lie to parents in K through twelve public schools. I think these are bipartisan issues that everyone should be able to embrace. But they really say a lot about themselves when they accuse us for being conservative simply because we're opposed to racism against uh, you know Jewish students. So let's talk about that. I know that's been a big issue. And uh, let's start with <clears throat> what, excuse me, what I'm reading is that there have been, you say there have been SWAT teams sent to your home. Yes. So in late October, we began exposing, again, radical anti-Semites in college campuses. This is nothing entirely new. We did it last year at Berkeley Law. But we started exposing radical Semites at Harvard. Well, immediately after that, first of all, we were assaulted when we went to their campus. Our mobile billboard, which exposed the names of the leading anti-Semites, was smashed with a brick and spray-painted. I was spray-painted when I went to their campus. But then on October 27th at 2 a.m. in the morning, one of these radicals or their allies called my local law enforcement in North Florida and told them that I had a gun to my wife's head. It's a thing called swatting. It's actually increasingly common, unfortunately. And uh, a half-dozen heavily armed officers then came to my home they got a door code to get inside the house they had body armor and rifles and everything had i been home at the time or had my wife been home had we not moved the right way or said the right thing we might have been killed so you were swatted i I, because uh on the surface i was even i mean that's terrible and 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 uh but but on the surface i was like good lord now the 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 government is uh is is going after the this organization that really is just about free speech and and accuracy and and pointing out things that may be a little uncomfortable on college campuses but but are truthful that's right and that was the first of nine swattings as of last week After the second time, my local law enforcement agency stopped sending out the entire SWAT team of a half a dozen officers. Now they only send a couple. But it also meant that my wife and I immediately realized, well, we can't stay at our home anymore. 
because we're obviously a target. I get death threats nearly every day. My wife gets harassed. My family, one of my staff members gets harassed and gets death threats. But you know, obviously you become quite fearful that what they're doing is trying to get my local law enforcement to reduce their response time and to take threats less seriously so that if there actually is one, they're not in a big hurry to save the day. These are the sort of people we're dealing with, folks who claim to be victims, but who try to kill those that they disagree with. And so this is all happening to you because you are president of Accuracy in Media and because you have been calling out the media in regard to uh, media attention and accuracy to anti-Semitic violence that's going on around the country. Is that right? Well, I think it's largely in this case because we're exposing these radical anti-Semitic leaders at campuses like Harvard and Yale and Columbia and Berkeley Law. You know, at these campuses, you had student organizations that publicly, not privately, but publicly signed proclamations blaming Israel for the terrorism that occurred on October 7th, saying the entirety of the blame lies not with Hamas, but with Israel. So we sent billboards to their campuses with the names and photos of the student leaders, and it displayed them as Columbia's leading anti-Semites or Harvard's leading anti-Semites and so forth. Immediately after we started doing this, I started getting death threats left and right, harassment left and right, and yeah, nine swatting attempts. And all the while, to your point about the media, whenever I talk to an Associated Press reporter or a reporter for you know CNN, they consistently ask me, oh, aren't you worried about violence? And I say, well, we're, we're taking the necessary security precautions. And they say, no, we mean for the violence of the students at Harvard and Columbia. And I say, well, yeah, it's a shame that you know, Jewish students have been assaulted there. And then they say, well, no, we mean for the, uh, you know, the radical Arab supporting anti-Semitic students, essentially, is what they say. And, and I say, well, I haven't heard of a single example of that happening at Harvard or at Columbia or at Berkeley Law or any of the campuses they've been. But nevertheless, that's who they're concerned with the safety of the people who have had no threats made against them, as opposed to the people who've been assaulted. Uh, Mr. Gillette, let me ask you this question. We just had an incident. You may have heard about it because it's all over the national news here in Burlington, Vermont, where three uh, Palestinian students, um, not from Burlington, they were visiting relatives apparently. One had gone to Brown University. They were from other parts of the country. Uh, but a, a person sort of emerged on a street that they were walking on, a white person and fired four shots at them shooting did not did not kill any of the three but all three were in the hospital with gunshot wounds and of course it has now been come national attention all over the country in every media outlet from cnn to cbs etc about this um what they think will be dubbed will be considered to be a hate crime uh there's a lot more investigating to to go but thinking of that how do you compare what some will say is Islamophobia around the country versus what is going on with anti-Semitism and attacks on Jewish people. How do you compare the two? Well, I think they're both morally outrageous. Being an Islamophobe is as bad as being an anti-Semite. Uh, using violence against a student of Palestinian ethnicity is just as bad as using violence against somebody of Ashkenazi Jewish ethnicity. Uh, no one of any polite society should support that sort of thing, and we should all speak out against it. I find it incredibly telling when these journalists only express concern for violence that might occur against students on campuses we've visited that are anti-Semites, but never show anywhere near a level of concern for the Jewish students who've been assaulted again and again, or myself and my family who've had threats and who have had nine swattings. You know, I find that to be obviously making it clear to all of us where they stand. They don't view 
Um, you know, uh, anti-Semitism is nearly as much of a problem as Islamophobia. But I think any decent American should recognize that neither Islamophobia nor anti-Semitism are acceptable in polite society. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. Um, in 2013, uh, Barack Obama signed a bill called the uh, Smith Month uh, Monetization Act. Uh, I was wondering if, if you're familiar with this. My understanding is that it allows the government to spread its own news. Uh, you know, to what extent is this true? How much does it affect uh, modern news uh, news reporting? You know, for me, the the greatest threats that I think I've seen in the past couple of years come not from the government directly reporting its own news, because I personally view that anytime the government tries to do anything, they pretty much consistently fail at that task. Uh, so if they wanted to try to report the news, I imagine they would give you the headlines from 10 years ago, 10 years from now. What I more worry about is things like what we saw where it came out that the government was pressuring Facebook to suppress stories that they don't like. The government was actively working with Twitter to suppress stories that they don't like. That sort of thing, I think, is even more dangerous, even more insidious, even more you know, hidden until these things leak out or get exposed. And it really is the definition of fascism. Fascism, which the left claims to be opposed to, is really the merger of government and state. Uh, I'm sorry, of corporations and state. And that's exactly what we've seen with government pressuring Facebook to censor stories we don't like. All right, well, we've got to take a quick 90-second uh, break. We're, we're chatting with uh, Adam Gallant, who's the, the uh, president. Follow them on Facebook for interviews and more. The Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. We are continuing our discussion now with uh, Adam Gillette. He is the president of Accuracy in Media. Uh, he has had his house swatted a number of times. Um, and one thing I want to ask you about, and uh, and again, the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline's open. If you have a question for Mr. Gillette, give us a call, 888 One thing I want to ask you about, I want to give you a chance to respond to this, is when I look online, there is an article here that I'm looking at right now. It says it's titled Doxing Campaign Against Pro-Palestinian College Students Ramps Up. And in the article, they criticize you, saying that you are um, dedicated to holding public and private officials accountable, but that you facilitated a truck displaying the names of Harvard students who signed on to a controversial letter denouncing Israel in the wake of the uh, October 7th attack by Hamas. Um, and they're saying that they're making the case that you're doxing those students and that you are, I guess, endangering free speech, that, that saying that those students should have a right to, to their opinion, too, in support of Palestine. How do you respond to that criticism? Well, I guess if I was signing with racist, siding with racist anti-Semites, I, too, might find it necessary to make up lies about people who disagreed with me. You know, for those who don't know, doxing refers to when you reveal someone's private information and share it with the public. Uh, myself and my family have been dealing with it for several weeks. They share mine and my wife's home address, phone numbers, birth dates, again and again online. One person even used it to sign up for a credit card in my name a few weeks ago. That's what doxing is. What we've been doing is taking the names of student leaders who publicly signed a proclamation. This wasn't private correspondence. They publicly signed it. And we generally get the names of these student leaders from their campus newspaper when they reported on who the leaders of these organizations were. Well, if it's okay for the Harvard Crimson 
to report who the name of a student organization is, I think it's okay with me as well. But nevertheless, it's amazing, and that speaks to where the media is coming from with their hard-left ideological agenda that they refer to our actions as doxing, but make no mention of the fact that regularly, nearly every day, they're literally doxing me on social media, along with threatening me and my wife and our family. I get threats like, we're going to put a Hamas bullet through your head. Uh, but no, we're, we're the mean ones because we're sharing the same information as the Harvard Crimson. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Yes. Trump irritated the media when he kept calling it fake news. <clears throat> but what the media didn't realize is that the people already thought the news was fake. Um, we don't trust the media anymore. I know so many people who won't even watch the news. I still watch the news, but I, 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 I'm skeptical about almost everything I hear. And you can spot fake news right away. So I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Well, thank you so very much. And, yeah, when our founder, Reed Irvine, passed away, the New York Times wrote an obituary that credited him or blamed him for causing a mistrust in the mainstream media. And things have obviously gotten so much dramatically worse since that time because 20 years ago, the media used to go after a broad audience. NBC was trying to get conservatives and liberals and moderates all to watch their news. Same with New York Times and so forth. Now we have such a dramatically fragmented media landscape that very few outlets are trying to get a broad cross-section of viewers or readers or subscribers. Instead, they go after a specific narrow audience and simply tell them what they want to hear, whether or not they know it to be true. Because when you tell people what they want to hear, they're more likely to click on the headline. So let's, let's talk about this. We talked briefly off the air, but I, I'm, I'm kind of dumbfounded still that on college campuses of all places that free speech and, and, and young adults uh, are, are against free speech. And, and I mean, how, how else do you learn? How else do you, do you advance a society if you don't have a variety of opinions coming forward and having conversations about it? And, and I ask you, are you as surprised as I am that, that, that it's, they're so violent and, and so upset on college campuses? And, and what's, what's your take on that? I think it speaks to the difference between liberals and progressives. And progressives have taken over the left. They've largely taken over the Democratic Party. Liberals believed in free speech. Liberals believed, I might disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. Progressives think speech is violence. Liberals descended from the Age of Enlightenment, from classical liberalism. Progressives descend from Marxism. You know, liberals, sure, they might be pro-choice, they might be really strong on gay rights and LGBTQ issues and these sorts of things and a big welfare state, that's fine, but they were still people who you could agree to disagree with. Progressives think everything they like should be mandated and subsidized, and everything they dislike should be banned. They come from the desires for totalitarianism rather than the desires for liberalism. Did we lose you? No, no. Uh, and, and, you know, what's interesting is uh, you, you just brought up the, the point of Marx, uh, Marxism and, and Karl Marx, uh, as well as Fidel Castro and a few other folks said, the first thing you got to do is control speech. That's exactly it. And that's what the left wants to do. That's why you see the modern left trying to work with social media companies to block platforms they disagree with. You know, I firmly believe that even if I incredibly strongly disagree with what you say, you absolutely have a right to say it. And I think the same is true for people who say horrible, harmful, racist things. 
You know, I think it's great that free speech allows these individuals on these campuses to go out and make it clear to the world that they are anti-Semites, they are racist, they do hate Jews. If only because it lets us know who the anti-Semites are. I'd rather live in a society where we know who the hateful people are than one where their viewpoints are so suppressed that we never get to find out. And, Adam, there's no question that there's been, we condemn violence no matter where it's coming from, just as you said earlier, uh, whether it's anti, whether it's, you know, um, Islamophobia or whether it's anti-Semitism, we condemn it, certainly. And I know you said earlier you did. I want to go back one more time to this Harvard thing, because, again, I, I, I'm just totally horrified at some of the things we're seeing on the college campus. I want to, again, to respond to one of the leaders. This is from ABC News. Uh, one of the one of the organizations you're keeping your eye on, but uh, they interviewed some students, and one of the students apparently responded this way, saying, "Falling into the old trope of conflating valuing Palestinian lives with anti-Semitism is an unfortunate and lazy response, and I condemn it." And he said, "And of course, I feel for the students being intimidated into silence." So, how do you respond? People that sign on to that letter, was it just as simple as they were supporting Palestine? Or did the letter go further? Great question. And we try to make this distinction each and every day. First off, we never go after the casual members of organizations. We only go after the leaders of organizations. We never go after people who merely support Palestine or oppose genocide. We only go after people who openly express anti-Semitism. In the case of Harvard, their proclamation blamed the October 7th terrorist attacks entirely on Israel. You know, they didn't even say, well, we've got a pie chart and we think 50% of the uh, blame should go for Hamas. You know, the people who actually chopped the head off of the baby and killed civilians at a music festival. And 50% of the blame should go to Israel. No, they said the entirety of the blame should go to Israel. And they put this statement out within 24 hours of the terrorism occurring. That speaks to me of anti-Semitism. And if what, what, the other thing that we see it in universities like CUNY, the City University of New York, is you've got these radicals who go out there and suddenly they care about Arab lives and Palestinian lives. And I think we should care about every life, honestly. But they were never out there protesting when Syrians were killing Arabs. I never saw them going out there and protesting when Palestinians killed other Palestinians because the, you know, the, the Gaza Strip is run by a terrorist entity, Hamas. They only seem to care about the deaths of supposed Palestinians when Jews are involved. Well, that suggests to me you might not be the biggest fan of the Jews. We, are, we really are essentially out of time, so if you, you can give me a short answer to this. What do you think is driving this anti-Semitism on college campuses across the country? It comes directly from diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives in K-12 education, which have proliferated around the country. DEI teaches students, young people, kindergartners, that we are all either oppressors or oppressed, and only the government can resolve it. As a Jew, I was shocked to learn that we are oppressors, not oppressed, according to these Marxists. All right. And, of course, as you said, you don't consider yourself a conservative. I read in this article that this is a conservative organization. You're, you don't even consider yourself a conservative. No, I, you know, I would say I'm a classical liberal. I'm a libertarian, perhaps you could describe me as. I like limited government. I think a government is best that governs least. But I don't think that you have to be a conservative to oppose anti-Semitism, to oppose using diversity, equity, inclusion, to pit people against one another. These aren't conservative values, per se. These are American values. All right, Adam Gillette, president of Accuracy in Media, um, talking about anti-Semitism on college campuses across the country. Thanks for being on the morning drive today. 
Thank you so much for having me. You betcha. Thank you so much. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to check in with 